This is Corey Gray and Tony Stewart from Hairdistry. Thank you for tuning in to the Hairdressers Podcast. Now here's a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, this is Jenna Irby, also known as Esthetician Jenna. I am owner of Skin Fit Aesthetics. I am also the co-host of the Charm School Podcast. And in my own business, I use Schedulicity. And the reason I love Schedulicity is because it is so convenient for my clients. The platform and the website is so user-friendly. People can go on there anytime, day or night. When they're off of work, they're unwinding, they're finally in their bed at 8 p.m., ready to schedule their facial service when in traditional work hours, a receptionist would not be there. And they can just pop on the website drink their cocktail, glass of wine while they're watching their favorite TV show and conveniently book their service with me. So that's why I love Schedulicity is just the convenience that it gives myself as well as my clients. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno, and this amazing podcast is brought to you by Schedulicity. My name is Corey. Of course, I'm sitting with my best friend, Tom. What's up, buddy? What's going on, brother? You, man. What's going on? Uh, Not a whole lot. Excited about this conversation today. I'm definitely excited about this conversation. It's a long time coming once again. um, uh, We... we 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 met our guest uh, I guess a couple of years ago at, at the uh, we've talked about it a few times at the Modern Salon Digital Summit yeah. um, when we when we went out to L A and we kind of met so we got there Saturday night and the the event actually started on Sunday right and while we were there it was just us uh, Olivia Smalley. And that was about it. You know, we got there. It was just us and Olivia Smalley. And then and, and our guest today was there, too. So we got to first time we kind of met and we got to chat up. And then um, I think she said we've seen each other like a million times since then. But, you know, that that's the show world. Yeah. And I, I wish that like we, we were talking about it earlier, uh, how we wish that show was continued because it literally made a difference in you know, and what, what we're doing, doing. Yeah. but you know, so many contacts and so many people met that changed the industry one way or another. It was just such a cool event. Well, it's cool. it was very cool for us because, you know, one, we met Jerry from Schedulicity there. So, you know, they kind of like that changed everything. We'd yeah. only, I mean, we'd only had the podcast at that point for 10 months. Yeah. So even the fact that we were just invited, was like, you know, mind blowing to us. So I mean, it was kind of our big, like, it was, it was definitely the first event that we did that we were actually invited to. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was our first live event as well that, you know, we, well, where we actually got to sit on stage and talk a little bit, do a live podcast, do a live podcast. And people were like, dude, who are these guys? Right. <laughs> but it's funny because when they, when we played the opening part to the, to our show, uh-huh. everybody recognized that part. They were like, yay. Oh, like, oh these guys. Right. Cause it's just all audio, right? They're like, yeah. who are these guys? Exactly. Who are these old? <laughs> until we, yeah, until we played the music <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> who are these old dudes? So uh, today our guest is Alice Alhamed. 
Um, and uh, she was with Modern Salon. Now she's with R&Co. R&Co is up to some really, really cool stuff. It, it, it's definitely a forward thinking for our industry. Um, we've we've uh, we, we've talked to a couple people about affiliate marketing, and and they're they're at the cutting edge of it. I mean, they were literally. We talked earlier. They're literally the first people that I that I heard of um, that that had an affiliate marketing program. Right, and she's working on it. So it's you know she's definitely the expert, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have a company that's kind of leading that that you know, part of our industry and, you know, the person that's actually in charge, not in charge, but, you know, part of it, mm-hmm. uh, you can't get, you know, closer to it than that. You can't get closer to it to that. Should we bring her in? Yeah. Allison Alhamed, welcome to your day off. I hope I got that right. Did I get it right? Close enough. Like close enough. You still got that, like a little bit more of an exotic pronunciation. <laughs> I'm okay with it. <laughs> Allison Alhamed. I think it's Al-Hamed. my life to figure out. Yeah, I got to figure out a word that rhymes with it so that it's easier for people to pronounce. My maiden name was Shipley, which there's literally zero way to mess that up. And I feel like that's always the case. People with like super clear last names to say, marry somebody and they they get a crazy new pronunciation. So thank you for giving it your best shot. Allison, <laughs> Alhamid, you weren't, you weren't too far off. So thank Al-Hamid. you. Alhamid, yeah. I got Alhamid. Uh-huh. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, Tony and I, we have a client that, uh, that she got married and, uh, her last name is Denny, which is okay, but her first name is Jenny. So she married into the name Jenny Denny. Right. right. So. <laughs> That's like, uh, Julia Gulia from the wedding singer. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's so crazy, oh. man. I used to work with a Jeanette Barnett and her name was Jenny. I only knew her as Jenny. And then I never really thought about it until I saw it written down. Like your name is Jeanette Barnett. And I couldn't handle it. I was just so excited. (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) I'm that person. I will take something funny and like make sure the entire world knows about it. And then by the time my son's the exact same way, like he'll take a joke and just milk it to death till it's not funny anymore. But I love it. (laughs) That's all right. I'm definitely guilty of that myself. You know, it's usually some dumb dad joke or something is right. pretty good for. That's funny. <laughs> do you guys have kids? Do you have kids? We both have grandkids, if you can imagine that. See, I told oh you. Oh, my God. That's so fun. It's that's the so best fun. job ever. Oh, my daughter just had her little boy uh, six weeks ago. Oh, congratulations. How yeah. fun. Oh, he's that's so awesome. magical. Really is. Magically delicious. Yep. That's cool. <laughs> Allison, where, where are you from? Um, I was born in Solon, Ohio, um, which is where Matrix was founded. And there's like a huge hair community there. There's a ton of hair people in my family. And then um, I spent a few years growing up in Cupertino, which is where like Apple is. Yeah, and sure. it was in the 90s. And so everything was just starting to boom right when I lived there. And then when, in 95, I moved to the suburbs of Chicago. So I've been here the longest. So this is home. Chicago's home for you. So um, at Cupentino, was that, was that with your family when you moved there? Yeah. Is your, mm-hmm. is your yeah, dad so a guy or your mom a tech guy, a, a person? My dad was the VP of sales for Sega. So we were like a huge video game family. And then when we moved to Chicago, it was because he had an opportunity to work for Mattel so it was like Barbie Central. We went from like Sonic to Barbie, like that. And so it was a total like different experience. But the swag was amazing. Like when I was 10, which was 
right after the age where like Barbie was probably a little bit too young for me, but we got the most amazing epic Barbie dream house ever. And I just have the best memories of that. And so it was a really cool job, a really cool job to be a kid and have your dad in the toy industry and the video game industry. That's amazing. Actually, That's you know, cool. actually, actually, Allison, do you know who's in the toy industry is, um, is Olivia's husband. Olivia's husband. So she sent my kids Paw Patrol, like you wouldn't believe, like all of these fun, like scuba diving things, like little, like boogie boards and like goggles and just like really cute. I live in Chicago, so I don't really have everyday access to it, but my kids found a way to use that boogie board all across the carpeted living room. (laughs) She hooked it up. She hooked it up. Mm-hmm. And they use it in the snow and you pull them in the snow. <laughs> I mean, I it is so cold here, you guys. It is so cold. So our co's headquarters is in Miami and I have these conference calls with them and they're like in their cute little sleeveless and I'm like down here bundled up. Like just <laughs> Looking like <freezing>. an <laughs> Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the basement. Like it's just <laughs> totally different life. That's so crazy. That is funny. You said you have a lot of family in the hair industry or you did? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of salon people. So like my cousins have all work in the salons and um, yeah, my mom went to beauty school. She didn't end up doing anything with her license, but like it was just a huge hair community where I lived. And so a lot of my family that's still there is still in the business and that's cool. I knew I wanted to be a hairdresser. I didn't end up being a hairdresser, but I knew I wanted to be from an early age. And um, a lot of people in my life and my family ended up going that route. And I went a different route, but I found my way back to beauty in the salon world. And yeah, it has my heart forever. All the Barbies. Yeah, you wanted to be a hairdresser because of the Barbies. Didn't didn't they used to have like one of those like Barbie like mannequin heads? It's probably like two, three. Oh yeah, no, they still do. They still do have it. My niece has one and it's terrifying. Like those things look so real. It's terrifying, but yeah, I cut off all the hair in my Barbies. I think anybody, any girl that wanted to be a hairdresser, that was like her first experience cutting hair. My first experience was actually my little sister. We were uh, oh, flower, flower girls in my uncle's wedding and I cut, I gave her like baby bangs and everything and it was really bad, really bad. So <laughs> how did your mom react to that? She honestly, so she like said she, it felt like a horror movie. She walked down the hallway and saw like clumps of hair, saw my little sister and like thought to herself, oh my God, oh my God. And like put us in the bathtub and just started like shampooing like a crazy lady, like as though that would suddenly make the hair grow back. (laughs) Constant shampooing and obviously it didn't do anything. But I remember going to the salon and then like trying to figure out how do we make their, their hair look okay. And she created like two braided pigtails and then joined them at the end with like this big blue bow. And it looks great. You never would have known that I totally destroyed the day, but traumatized, traumatized. Holy cow. (laughs) So now there's never scissors in my house. Like we have scissors for my kids. They love art projects and everything, Um, but they're hidden. They're on like a fourth shelf up. I know better. Like I would rather them cut their clothes than cut their hair. Like I know what damage can be done and how long that damage will last. So <laughs> that's hilarious. Do you have family pictures yeah. of your sister that you guys could go back and look at? <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm so grateful every day that like Instagram and all of that does, didn't exist when I was a kid because it would have been that stuff was going to follow you. Like I'm very like on my Instagram page, 
I never post pictures of my kids. Like it's very rare that I post super personal stuff. My Facebook personality is all kids, all family, husband, birthday parties, like all that's, you know, who I am on LinkedIn. Like I have a different personality based on the social platform. You'll never really see pictures of my kids on Instagram. But I think about what my friends post and what they're sharing on their kids. Like they're sharing the craziest stuff that that's not going to go away. Like that will totally haunt them. And I would just be devastated had my family had access to social media when I was growing up. It, that's, that follows you. So, you know, if my mom had Instagram, she would have been putting up posts like, look at my dummy kids did today. You know? <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like everybody in my life is posting this stuff and it's like, dude, TMI. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Dude, TMI, I love it. So, Allison, how did you find your way back to the industry? Um, okay, so I love when I was in high school, I was definitely in like the alternative crowd. I had blue hair, lots of piercings, and my friends all played in different bands and they were at the skate park, and that was I was like a mall rat, and it was so fun. Um, and like obviously a lot of pressure from family to kind of get my look together and stop dressing like, oh, like I got dressed in the dark. Um, I feel like for years, that was always kind of a joke, but I loved it. I loved thrifting. I loved big baggy clothes and um, going to concerts and like wearing bands. Oh, I was. Yeah, no, I totally was. Uh, So I was born in 85. So most of my, like my fondest memories and that was like late nineties, early two thousands. And you know, just the whole band life and just how much fun that was. And um, I experimented a lot with hair color and my friends, I always did their hair, like, but it was not sophisticated. It was like manic panic hair color. Like this was staining my mom's bathtub blue, like not cute hair color. It was wild and so fun. And, you know, once you walk around with blue hair, your friends are going to be like, hey, will you do my hair? And so people came over all the time and I would do their hair. And um, it became like such a great social fun thing. And I loved it. But I, my parents couldn't possibly be more opposite. My mom is very artistic, very loving, very nurturing, very like, let your flower bloom. And my dad is like business, sales, education. And so when I said I wanted to go to beauty school, it was like, okay, fine, but let's first do college. Like this is, this is important. And so I went to college I ended up in journalism which was awesome because I was allowed to bring other people's stories to light and like let them you know be the superstar and that was great um and I had an internship at Consumer's Digest magazine in journalism school and that was all product reviews but it was like garage door openers and faucets and like not sexy at all but it was still writing about products and my supervisor at the time her name was Molly when she left Consumer's Digest, she went to Salon Today. And so Modern Salon Media has the magazine and community for stylists, which is Modern Salon, and then for owners is Salon Today. So Molly went to go work for Salon Today, and after that internship, she reached out to me and said, hey, we have an opening, would love for you to work here. Um, I applied, got the job, fell in love, and within nine months enrolled in beauty school and decided I want to learn more about this industry, editor by day, student by night. And it was like a total full circle moment. Wait a sec. Hold on. Hold on. You're a student in cosmetology school and you're working for Salon Today magazine? Yes. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Like I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. It was the most perfect 
like the clouds opened up and a light shined on me and it was my time. So I was able to learn more about the audience I was serving. So I was learning how to be a beauty editor for Modern and for Salon Today, but also learning what it meant to be a stylist. And so I was able to kind of make those worlds collide and I was a night student. So it takes two years in Illinois for 1500 hours mm-hmm. um, to get your license. So that's what I did. And at the same time, like media was evolving so much. So like, it wasn't just a magazine, like all of a sudden blogs were a big thing and Facebook and how many likes you had and, you know, vlogs and we had a YouTube and all of it. So I was chronicling the journey journey of being a beauty school student at the same time. And I, I'm so grateful every day that I did it every single day. So you said you completed beauty school? school? Did you complete it? Mm -hmm. Did you go to Pivot Point? Because they're big in Chicago, right? Yes. Yeah, I went to Pivot Point in Bloomingdale and um, I met some lifelong friends there, which we could talk about later, but some of those relationships and how they've transpired over the years. um, Best thing I could have done was learn more about the realities of the stylist. Like some of my most trafficked articles at Modern Salon were like, what are the best shoes to wear all day at the salon? Like that was generally not an article that the editors would have written or what's the best deodorant to wear all day because your hands are shampooing and like you're working like crazy. Like, so I was able to learn more about the realities and what it's like. And um, best thing I ever did, cause I couldn't do it now. I couldn't be a full-time worker with, you know, trying to be a good mom, trying to be a good wife, trying to be a good friend or sister or whatever. So I'm grateful every day that I made that decision. That's awesome. So are we, man. Yeah, that's it's so cool too that that the articles that you were writing was about the hairdresser experience and not necessarily how to do a fishtail braid or how to do whatever, but it was about the experience and living behind the chair, you know, um, living behind the chair every day. I think that that's really cool and really insightful as well. That's that that's that's cool, man. Yeah, that's, that's probably a completely different approach. How. A lot of other journalisms, uh, journalists were doing right because they they didn't live it, they didn't understand it like the way you understood it. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I didn't go in with that intention, but man, did that shape my career and my path, and ultimately how you know some of the programs I developed during my course as an editor at Modern Salon, and like really the the way media evolved and the way I was able to kind of push that, you know, leading the charge with the editorial team and that direction and collaborating with members of the team talking about, we had a program called healthy hairdressers. So it was all about wellness, both in body, spirit, um, mind, financial wellness, all of those things. And like so much of the content that's booming right now is so trend driven but it's always been about the client what can you the professional do to the client this was finally where we were able to take the hairdresser and make her front and center in all of the content you know everything from what should I look for in hiring an assistant or should I attend this certification class like it was about her and so we say her but obviously you know it can be anybody um but Man, it was the best thing I could have done. It was awesome. I think it, I, it's funny because, you know, that's kind of not necessarily the shoes and stuff, but we've tried to live in that space. Like, like, we're like what kind of content we can, here's a little podcast secret for anyone that's starting a podcast is that we spend a lot of time, especially on Facebook, on like the forum pages, and we kind of hear the conversation that's going on. And like, and then we say, okay, 
they're talking about X. Can we create content around X? Because now we're speaking to speaking to the audience. So, so it, it, you are already you are already ahead of that, and that, that's pretty cool because we're always trying to make it an easier day for the hairdressers. Yeah, and probably what's cool too is that she made her her dad and her mom proud. Right? She went to get a college, <laughs> college degree, made him proud, and went and got her. Her uh, cosmetologist's license made mom proud. That's right, man. It's totally, yeah. Together. (laughs) (laughs) That's so. But you know, you brought up you brought up Facebook, and I feel like that's just. I love Facebook. We always talk about Instagram. Like I still think Facebook has such an amazing space right now in beauty, and we'll talk about this later. But especially as it comes to affiliate marketing and like really penetrating your community and getting in touch with them. But social, man, that changed everything that changed everything all at the same time. And like the timing couldn't have been better. It couldn't have been better for me to have started this job. Um, when I, when I started at modern, because, you know, it used to be, you would get this stack of press releases on your desk as a beauty editor about what trends were going to be big in six months. And here are the, this is the color mood board. Here's the haircuts. Here's the styling, like, okay, here's products, but it's embargo. Don't talk about this for six months. And then boom, 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 everything changed. And all of a sudden it was in real time. And we were seeing trends pop up from all over the world. And it was no longer just what the platform artists were saying, we're going to be big in six months. We were seeing things booming on social media, connecting in real time with stylists in Singapore, Australia, like it didn't matter where they were. And so it was just like the most exciting time to be a part of this industry, especially on the beauty publishing side of it, because we were able to feature such a more diverse group of people by putting a quick poll out on Facebook. What do you think about this and getting real-time answers and getting, tell us your city, your salon name, your state, where you are, what's your real name, content on the fly. Like you were able to take what would have taken maybe a week to write some like really crafted article with hour long interviews and just do like a quick poll, take the temperature of the community. What are they feeling about this? And um, to have been able to have the privilege of seeing that transformation in media as it was happening was just the coolest thing. And I'm grateful every day for the timing. Um, Listen, we're super grateful too. And like, you know, how we've kind of, you know, 2014, we'll talk about Instagram a little bit, is that for us, Instagram was the place where our industry got celebrated, right? And, and the artists in our industry got celebrated. And and what happened is now, you know, now instead, like you said, like, like the trends were dictated by the platform artists. Now the, now the trends are being dictated on the street, like literally, like, I don't necessarily know if we ever have this vivid world, especially a vivid world that's held on, because vivid world has always been around our entire career, but it kind of hits you know, it's kind of manic panic for, you know, the, the, the scene yeah. kids in the 90s and stuff. But but for it to actually stick and now like you go into a bank and if someone has vivid color, you don't even like you don't even go like, oh, she can't handle my money. It's just kind of a normal kind of experience. And, and, and that's all. Thank 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 Instagram for all that, because it allows us to celebrate the the actual artist in the industry. And 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 I, but I also say that with a warning, Allison, and and the warning is, is that, you know, the reason that a lot of people left Facebook was because now these platforms are being used a little bit, you know, but, but, but I, I wish that in Instagram, we can keep it pure and we can, it can, and we can be a space that we just celebrate each other because there's never been a better, this is the golden age of hairdressing, whether anyone wants to believe it or not. And, and I think we need to, we need to, we need to own that for as long as we possibly can. 
Yeah, Facebook totally got ugly for a minute. Like something we would post on Facebook, there were a lot of what we called beauty bullies. People would just shred the image or shred the artist behind the image. But Instagram was just such a beautiful space full of community support and love and positivity. And if you didn't like it, you moved on with your life. And if a post got very few likes, that was the industry saying, this isn't for us, but you weren't getting like the bullies like you were on Facebook. And now I feel like YouTube is where all of that negativity is living. Like there are some bullies out there, but Instagram <laughs> remains a little more positive. Um, yeah, you're starting to see a little bit more of that negativity shine through in some stuff. But I love that we can hear in real time if your audience is liking something or not. Like that's in the print world, you were never able to gauge ROI, for example. You were never able to gauge how many people liked what you were putting out there. And all of a sudden, social media just flipped a switch. And you could see in a moment how people were responding to both your editorial message and then your advertisers, your sponsors message. What were they thinking about this? And if it flopped, how do you pivot? How do you pivot on the fly? Like, what are they responding to? And so being armed with that data and those free insights that these platforms were providing us allowed us to evolve quickly. And um, I'm grateful every day that I got to be a part of, a part of what that looked like as a, being a brand. So were you guys doing the top 100 pre-social media? And then if you... No. So I started that, um, I don't know, was it five years ago? I'm not exactly sure how many years ago I started that. But the reason um, it came to be, and I say I started it, meaning I was the editor-in-chief and I pulled together the best team members that I had and we really conceptualized this thing and like what makes sense. And for us as a brand to recognize this, this crop of talent emerging on social media. And I felt like looking at the success of Salon Today 200, and that is Salon Today. So Salon Today is a community, magazine, website, social media for the owner and manager. And more than 10 years ago, Salon Today launched the Salon Today 200, and that was honoring the salons that were the fastest growing salons in North America. So they would submit their tax forms, show their growth, and then 2008 happened. And flat was the new black, is what we said about Salon Today 200. And that if you're not growing, fine, but if you're flat, how do we recognize you? So we completely revamped the program and we were honoring salons. And I think 12 or 14 best practice categories, everything from retail and merchandising to customer service to benefits to recruitment. And we had all these different essay-based opportunities to win. And that changed everything because now salons that weren't like booming with growth, but they were still having that crazy retention or frequency of visit had the opportunity to be recognized. And within this industry, those recognition programs go a long way, you know, and it's, it was an, a brand agnostic way to recognize people that were crushing it. And so there was so much positivity around Salon Today 200. And we thought, how do we adapt this to the stylist side? What can we do right now to recognize incredible talent, give people that are not maybe super immersed in the influencer world, the opportunity to have sort of this Rolodex of top talent hairdressers and kind of skim through and see where people were based and see what they were creating. And the whole purpose was about 
powerful content creators. It wasn't about how many followers you have. And so when we thought about how do we organize this thing for year one, how do we organize this thing? It was thrown out, well, should we do it based on number of followers? Like 100,000 plus, you know, 50,000, go from macro to micro influencers. But it wasn't about that. We wanted it to be about the quality of content that these guys were producing. So we broke it out by region and we made it like the Southern, the Northern, Western, Eastern. And we broke it out by that because what really we wanted to ring true was that Instagram leveled the playing field. You no longer needed to be based in New York or LA to be a rock star. You could be in Solon, Ohio. You could be in Eugene, Oregon. You could be wherever. So we really talked about the structure of this thing and focused on where you were. But what we found over the years and what you'll see if you go through different modern Slum 100 issues moving forward, we made it um, alphabetized because people truly were using this as a Rolodex. And if you walked into any office, whether it was a crazy, humongous conglomerate organization in beauty to the small non-pause just starting out their business, they had modern Salon 100s on their desk. They might read an issue of modern or Salon Today and then pass it along or put it in their drawer, but they kept modern Salon 100 out because it was like that go-to evergreen content that never went stale. It was like, this is the who's who. Everybody from those people that had crazy huge followings down to just the kick-ass content creators. And brands really fell in love with this concept. People fell in love with the idea of getting that pat on the back. It gave them that recognition that they wanted, especially when you're looking at people like a guy tang next to somebody with like 2,000 followers and saying, you deserve this moment. Well, done. And brands would go through that issue and send like nice products to these people with like lower following, bigger followings, hoping like, hey, maybe we can connect with them early on. And it just exploded. So I think it's been around, God, I wish I knew the numbers like the back of my hand, but modern has a long history in recognizing talent. And so I think it's been maybe four or five, six years. So so how did you create? How did you guys create the uh, curriculum? Right, you said you you would skim through pages, but like someone with two thousand, there's there's so many hairdressers hairdressers on Instagram or these social media platforms. How how were you able to to find these guys? So we, you know, okay. So let me think about this. How were we able to find them? Honestly, so much of what was happening in the way people caught an editor's attention was happening privately. So there was a lot publicly with the way people share posts, the tags they're using and getting your attention as an editor. You know, we had seven days of the week and seven editors at Modern Salon. And so each editor owned a day on Instagram. And what that meant is you were responsible that day, not only for sharing the content that Modern was going to post that day, but you were responsible for moderating the community. Not only the comments that came in, but looking at the direct messages, leaving love on other people's pages, exploring different hashtags. And the reason, the strategy behind why we did it that way is I wanted everybody to be on the same level so that Maggie could sit and have a meeting with you and talk about who's buzzing on social rather than it just being one editor. We needed everybody invested. Everybody needed to know the who's who. Like you had print media, you had your modernsalon.com and then you had your social media and all editors needed to be hands-on in it. And I thought that that was the best strategy. And we tried on 
so many different hats when it came to managing the community. Like, oh, you'll do 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. and then you'll do 11 a.m. It just made sense to do it by the day. And so I, I thought that that really worked for us as a brand. Um, and the way it worked is each editor would um, say who's been connecting with you. How are you finding new talent to feature? And so much of it was happening privately over direct message. We would teach a class, for example. Maggie and I would go somewhere, teach a class, or Jamie would do something, and people would stay connected over inbox and send that picture and say, what do you think about this, Mary? What do you think about this, Jamie, Allison? Like, how would you hashtag this? What do you think? And then you foster those relationships. You really create those connections. And then when you're sitting at home in your jammies watching TV with your husband and it's really your day to moderate the community, you're like, I wonder what Sydney posted. Maybe it's time to post Sydney because you think of her as a go-to. She's in your inbox all the time. Go check out her post. And all of a sudden you post it. She gains an extra couple hundred followers. You have a new Instagram BFS. And like, you know, the discover tool is amazing on Instagram. You can explore however many hashtags you want, but like, when you're a media page with 1.1 million followers and there's a lot of feature pages out there, you want something unique to you and unique to your brand. So you don't want to put something out there that's already been seen on Behind the Chair, Hair Brain, Beauty Launchpad, American Salon. You want something unique to Modern Salon. So if someone's in your camp and they're like waving that flag, we're going to celebrate that. So when I worked at Modern, that was a huge part of that strategy was finding people that are waving that flag that are put. And you know what though? I will counter that by saying it's the same thing with Arnco. If I'm, you know, looking for something new to post on Arnco, I'm going to go check out who's always talking about Arnco. And if they're talking about a zillion other brands in the same post, it's kind of like, well, that's going to show up over there. So I'd rather move on to something that's more exclusive to us. That's brilliant. Two things that I heard there that Allison was talking about is one, because it's content, you're honoring those that are in the hustle. Right, whether you have two thousand followers or a hundred thousand followers, by putting out content and putting out good co- content, now you know you're, you're awarding the hustler. So, so to say that hard work doesn't pay, that 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 that's that's that that's the pudding there, right? Yep. And and the other thing that that is huge is to ask, right? Is to ask for the attention, you know. And 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 you know, she said that that, that that's how they built it, right? They they built it on hustle and on on the ask, and and those are two. To uh, entrepreneurial uh, traits that, that that I think you have to have, dude. Thank you so much for that. Um, I'll tell you from our side, which is really cool, and you know, thank, thankfully through the podcast, we've gotten to you know meet a, make a lot of friends in the industry. But it's really cool to kind of every year we go through and we go, how many of our friends are in here, or not even how many of our friends are in here, but are our friends on here? And then when you see them, like you want to celebrate them and stuff too. It's it's really really cool. Now I would argue, Allison, and I know you're not a modern anymore, but we need a podcast edition because there's nobody more influential right now than the podcasts that are going on in our industry. Boom. I said totally. it. Like dropped. <laughs> no, no, no. I agree. I totally agree. You know, and I get goosebumps every time I see somebody who's modern salon 100 in their Instagram bio. Full chills. I mean, it just brings me so much joy. Same with being artist connective. That was another program that was, I mean, I will always look at that as my baby and really thinking about artist connective and, and why why we decided to make that concept uh, be a reality and what it did for, for the industry and why it matters so much. And, you know, I get chills when people ask me about how do I be a part of the modern song 100? It's like, I love that people care about this so much. Like it, people really put a lot of weight behind it and it's just, it's awesome. So 
Um, I'm yeah. excited that you guys are asking me about it. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you too. What are some of your proudest moments at Modern? And Definitely um, the formation of Artist Connective, which we can talk about, but that really emerged um, as our influencer marketing uh, platform. Um, so what I learned throughout that experience, I felt like I got my um, MBA developing um, Artist Connective and really kind of learning how to structure a program that's both beneficial to us as a brand, beneficial to the artists behind it, and beneficial to the manufacturers that want to support it. Like, I mean, coming up, I had no training for this. I just knew from my hairdresser friends in the business, the manufacturers were asking me all the time informally, like, who's the next? Guy Tang, who's the next? How do we get connected with this person? And informally, we were playing matchmaker. And so what Artist Connective did is it formalized that process. Brand, artist, like run off into the sunset, you know? <laughs> and so that was a huge moment. Um, Modern Slum 100, a huge moment. We had a program called Artist Session that Maggie Mulhern developed all about teaching people how to do a professional photo shoot, everything from casting the model to getting your images published to, you know, working with a PR person. And Maggie is just, I mean, she's just the queen of photo shoot work. And I was able to work with other editors on our team to develop artist session influencer series. So we would invite people from our artist connective group of influencers and teach them how to be incredible on set when you're working with a brand because so much about what's happening in this world is you have these amazing stylists on Instagram, but they don't know how to public speak or they're not media trained or they want to work. They're working with these brands and then the brands are like, Oh, let's do a photo shoot together. And the stylist is left scratching their head because they've never experienced that. So we wanted to take what you're doing on Instagram, but how do you shoot it for a magazine? How do you really connect with a brand to help tell that story? And so we developed this um, two-day immersive experience in New York, all about taking these artists that have done incredible things using their influence on social, and how do we get them to take that influence to the next level on a professional photo shoot, and really kind of using that influence to do good. Like, how do you do good in the world? So we brought in guest speakers like Mark Bustos, who talked about using your influence and your power to, like, unite the community and be awesome to somebody. We brought in texture experts and said, like, how you need to be equipped to handle and embrace every texture that sits in your chair. You need to use your power to be an incredible public speaker and use your platform to talk about things that matter to you. And so definitely that one for sure. And really just really thinking about these recognition programs. Like there's so many incredible people out there that are just quality content creators and being a part of the evolution of an introduction of influencers into this world in the media and like how, how you can take advantage of, of every opportunity, no matter where you live. That's something that's just amazing to me. Like, I can't even tell you how many internet friends I have. People I've never even met in real life and how these connections on social mm -hmm. go that one extra step. And Easy. there's people I reach out to at a moment's notice if I'm feeling like I need a hype woman. So I'm like, hey, can I call you for a moment? I'm about to public speak and I'm panicking. Let's talk about this. And I don't know these people, but it's awesome. We're all in this together. And I just feel like you don't need to be alone. There's a forum for everything. And whether you're in a hairdresser chat in Facebook group, or if you're 
part of like an awesome love fest on Instagram. Like we all need connections and social provides that. That's amazing. That's so cool. With with the uh with with the um the thing that Maggie set up, I forget the name of it already, but but um is isn't that where uh, Updo Guru and Pigment they kind of teamed up together and then they did like a shoot together? Yeah. It was the best thing ever. So I had been following Pigment for a long time and I um no one was writing about her. So I just found her on social and I DM'd her and I said, Hey, can you get on the phone? I want to write an article about you. And she was, Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So we got on the phone and we talked for an hour and I wrote this article about her and she had done that Banksy cool balloon look on the side. And I just wrote all about that. And I like learned that she's the woman that's in all the pictures. She does the hair, she takes the pictures of herself. And we you know up to Guru, we were like obsessed with her for her up for her pins and the body pin work. And it was just so artist session influencer series is so artist session was what Maggie created all about like how to do a professional photo shoot. And then we flipped it up on the side and we did artist session influencer series. So we invited artist connected members and we thought what a match made in heaven. Let's take Shannon Romano pigment and match her up with up guru and see what happens. And Shannon brought her sister as the model and we were. Was, oh, what, was, that, was, so, that Shannon, was that Shannon's twin sister? Yes. And it was the coolest thing ever. And so all these people came to New York. It was the most exciting time. I can't even tell you. I have so many positive moments from that experience. But, you know, you follow all these people forever. And we brought eight colors and eight stylists to New York to this super intimate environment. We'd all just be like, oh, my God, you're amazing. I've been following you forever. Like, whether it's Elizabeth Fay or, like, you know, incredible, just Shelly Gregory, like, amazing people Antonio Estrada and we all came together and watching Shannon the last shot she did so she she created this incredible like kind of a beehive with bees on the hair and up to guru to do those beautiful bobby pins and the last shot was Shannon took honey and squeezed it down the length of the hair and I have this video it's just it gives me chills every time because this is what our industry is about it's about community and connection. You know, I say this all the time. When I was in beauty school, they talked about that statistic about people dropping out of the industry after three years because they were bored. They weren't making the money. They're ripping foils. They're washing coffee mugs. They're sweeping floors, but they're not empowered and not excited and not fulfilled. And I feel like Instagram has just completely transformed the way people feel about this industry. You have an entire group of people finding community finding support, finding their people, their tribe. And it's just been, that's what's kept me in. I mean, I've had lots of opportunities over the years to work with different brands and I'm a beauty lifer. I'm a beauty lifer forever because of Instagram, I think. Yeah, without without Instagram or social media, you you don't see the pigments, you don't see the updo gurus, you don't see the Rob Originals, the the people with the hair tattoos and and the Johnny Cash, which he was a modern one hundred. Right. Um, you don't. You, we wouldn't be introduced to all this. Well, well, the funny thing, I mean, we talk about pigment. You start, you talk about not being seen. I mean, she doesn't work as a hairdresser. Like if you listen to the podcast that we did with her, she works literally in her kitchen. And I'm not being offensive by any means, but you know, she 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 is such. She, her veins are filled with, with being an artist 
And she's the type of artist that she's going to make it happen. I mean, she has like four kids or something. And then she's like, you know what? The kids are down. It's nine o'clock. I'm working till 1 a.m. because I've got this in me that I've got to get out. And and if you follow Pigment, then you know that it's going to be extraordinary because and what's amazing, Allison, that Bansky thing was like the one of the first things that any of us have seen. But her evolution over the last couple of years, she's getting better and better oh and better God. and like she i have she's one of the ones that i have like pinned so when pigment puts up something new i'm it's like pigment you know yeah. did a post and i'm like <laughs> i'm on it and we are such i know fans she's just like she she's she's yeah. she's amazing i mean honestly it, it's like her and work. you know what she's the real deal like she's the real deal and when i meet these people that are the real deal you will go to such great lengths to give them their moment if you have a platform to give somebody to shine, she's at the top of my list. I just think, man, to celebrate artistry and like totally brand agnostic, beautiful artistry, she is the creme de la creme. Like, she doesn't get better than that. And she's just the coolest. And she's so humble and has so much humility for things. Like, it's just. You know, I send her these little packages of products and I get chills when she uses them. And she's like, oh, I love R and Co. This is my people. These are my, you know, I just, I want to be a part of what she's a part of. And it's so cool. You always feel like, in, you know, when you're, when you're a moderator of a big social media page or brand or whatever, like to be a part of somebody's success story is more fulfilling than being on the other end of it. I love that I'm a part of like, a Larissa Love success story or, you know, any of these people that have like those six figure followings, like that's the coolest thing ever. When someone says the first page that ever featured me was modern salon, like that's, that's amazing. I think the word is dope. It makes it all worth it. That's just so dope. That, no, it's rad. It it's is rad. rad. You are it's absolutely gross. correct. Such it's a broser. <laughs> she's, just, she's such a broser. Um, <laughs> there's the pretty face. Um, we, um, you know what? We feel that way about Casey. Like we, we have a pretty great relationship with Casey Updo Guru, and she's as genuine and as sweet. And as, but you know what, Allison? The truth is that through our whole journey, we've run into very, very few people who who aren't aren't that person, you know, um, I, I, I wish, I wish that the people that listen to the podcast could see it from our angle because we've had really nothing but amazing, um, 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 contact connection with people. You know, it's been, it's been pretty, pretty, it's been pretty, pretty cool. I'm not going to say a hundred percent, but I'm going to say damn close to a hundred percent of the people that we've had, that we've had to deal with are are pretty, are pretty awesome, good people. And we're, and we're just all kind of, you know, we we all kind of understand that we're all just trying to make our way in all of this, you know? So there's a couple of uh, a couple of things you you brought up R and Co a couple of times. How did how did that relationship form? So I have been a media partner for R and Co for um, six years. R and Co launched six years ago. LBP Luxury Brand Partners, the parent company, launched. You know, during Orbe when Orbe was launched, then we launched um, Luxury Brand Partners, and then all these other brands. And so I was always on the media partner side. So whenever there was like a new launch. Um, I was on the other end of the phone call from the executives at Luxury Brand Partners, like, here's what we're launching, here's what's going on, how can you support us? And um, on the editorial side, I was always featuring these brands because they're so cool. I love everything from the packaging to the performance. Like, I love the people so much. And so um, 
when Orbe launched, they were looking for a Chicago sales rep. And so I was at dinner with the president of Arnco, which his name is Dan. He wasn't the president of uh, Orbe at the time. And he said, do you know anybody in Chicago that would be a great sales rep? And I said, yeah, my sister, she'd be amazing. And so my sister was one of the first, you know, dozen or so employees of Orbe. I was an editor at Modern Salon. And so we were both in the hair business and it was so cool traveling together, like doing different things. And it was awesome. And so um, she later left Orbe to go uh, be full-time mom, has three kids. She's my next door neighbor. Like she's (laughs) awesome. But I've always been really close to this brand and they do really cool things. And when I think about the brands in the modern salon, like Circle, you guys could probably name the top 10. Like we work really closely with this with these set of brands. Arnco is always kind of its own cool entity. Like they would feature people I hadn't heard of before. They were working with salons that weren't on my radar. They were doing really cool things with haircutting that was almost like a blind spot to me as an editor in chief. Like I was always so focused on the colorist, the haircutter, the owner, but like, or not the hair cutter. I was so focused on the hair colorist, the stylist, you know, braiding, updo work, but I wasn't so hardcore on the cutter. And Arnco really thrives in that space. And, you know, I just have so much respect for what they do. So like outside of the cute packaging, outside of like the playful names and the incredible performance, they're vegan, cruelty-free, Leaping Bunny certified, they just do really innovative things. And I kind of put them in the same bucket as like a Dyson, like the Dyson blow dryer when it launched, I brought it home and it was the first thing my husband ever cared about that I brought home. He was like, what is this thing? And he was like taking it apart and looking at it. And I feel like Arnco is like that same caliber. Before we dig into more into Arnco, can I ask a little bit of a personal question? I'm very excited about what you're going to ask me. <laughs> How did Modern Salon take it when you decided you were going to leave to go to Arnco? Was that, did you guys maintain a nice relationship or was it? Yeah. So I gave, I think six weeks notice, which is pretty awesome because I, they could have been like, you're out of here, but I had some really big projects in the works with, with some big brands. And um, what I loved about working with modern is that there was a lot of respect for editorial there. So the editors were really hands-on with like the development of even paid programming so we had a lot of things in the works. I ate the world's biggest anti-anxiety pill prior to talking to the president about uh, leaving. You know, I just, I'd been there 12 years. So I left college, had this incredible internship at Consumer's Digest, uh, which I told you guys about earlier, and then went to work for Modern. I was there for 12 years. So that's what I knew. And it honestly felt like I was going to go tell my husband that I wanted to divorce. That's how it felt. I was so scared because modern was so good to me. And I have so many positive memories. I've traveled the world three times over uh, through this role at modern and connected with the best of the best, both people, brands, so many positive experiences. Um, And making the decision to leave, you know, was really a hard one. I had this one editor I worked with named Lauren and she went to an Aveda event and Aveda handed out all these rocks and one of them said, jump. And that's the one she got. And Lauren kept that rock in her drawer and looked at it all the time and was about to jump. And she decided when she was ready to leave and move on to her next chapter to become a pastry chef. 
and decided that was going to be her next step. And that was just really inspiring watching her, her journey. And so um, I had been flirting with the idea of leaving Modern to go work for R&Co for a long time. I love the people. I love the products. I love the brand's personality. I wanted to do something different where I was able to speak to both hairdressers and the consumer. I wanted the opportunity to be behind a brand and learn more about branding. That was something that I didn't really learn about, which was, you know, at Modern, we had our brand, but everything was about like camouflaging and being a chameleon and like talking about all the brands and all their branding. And this was the first time if you look at r &Co, you know r &Co from a mile away, whether it says r &Co or not. And so I wanted to be a part of it and um, decided this was going to be the move for me. And it was so scary. Do you guys watch The Office? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. There's a lot of gifts that go around of Jim and Pam, like high-fiving. It's like an air high-five. And my husband, I sent him the details of the job. You know, we were... I was at work, he was there, and I decided I, this is what I want to do. And how do you feel about this? And that's the gift that he sent me back. Like, I wanted to be at home. I wanted to work from home prior to COVID. I wanted to work from home. I wanted to be invested in a brand that was invested in me. I wanted to learn more about, you know, the industry from the salon owner perspective. So I wanted to learn more about the consumer side of thing. I wanted to learn about e-commerce. I wanted to learn about affiliate marketing. And um, I was ready for a change. And I do have a lot of joy in that I can continue to contribute to Modern Salon. I'm doing that. And I'll tell you guys about that if we have a minute. I can tell you about how I'm still contributing. But um, it was about having the confidence to make a move. I'm very loyal. Like, I, my husband and I have been together for 16 years. Like, I, I don't do things like this, you know. And so once I decided to jump, you know, I was all in and went for it. And um, we've been flirting with this idea for more than a year of me working for R&Co. And every day I'm grateful. In fact, I send my boss sometimes messages. His name is Dan. He's our president. I send him messages of gratitude and just say, thank you for this opportunity. I feel it's the coolest thing to be grateful and have that gratitude every day. Like even stressful meetings and moments of tension and like things, you know, 911 becomes so much more manageable when you're gracious, when, when you have that gratitude. And so that's a huge, huge, huge thing for me is being grateful every day for every opportunity I have. That's amazing. That is so awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that, actually. That's really, very cool. All right. So you mentioned it, and, and, and we've done a couple podcasts on affiliate marketing, but we kind of haven't, we, we, we haven't talked to anybody from the brand side. You know, we, we've talked to Michelle Pritchard, who's, uh, who, who, who's out there. You know, she I has talked to her every day. Yeah. <laughs> her we every love day. Michelle. <laughs> We taught a class together yesterday. I love Michelle Pritchard. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yay, Michelle. So we've talked to Michelle about affiliate marketing. And um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had Lexi Lomax on, and she talked a little bit about affiliate marketing. Interesting, interesting, too, is that they had two different, I don't want to say perspectives about it, but two different like ways to, 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 to incorporate it into your business. So, so from the brand side, first off, uh, how... Uh, What's your involvement with the affiliate marketing? Did you bring it to R&Co? Were they already doing it? Are you mastering it? Tell us that journey. Okay, so R&Co always had plans to launch an affiliate program because they knew that, you know, looking at distribution, looking at the way stylists are compensated, looking at the way salon owners want to be compensated for their recommendations, looking at the salon owner network as really these sort of micro-influencers of their community. This was something that was on the table for a long time, but it wasn't the number one priority. 
come March, come April, when salons went into lockdown, it became very evident that this was the right move for us as a brand. I was fortunate enough to be welcomed to the table to have these conversations with the executives and with all the e-com people and everybody that was super hands-on in the salon network and to have a voice and um, really kind of shape with the full team what this would look like. And so we call our program R and Co Love, and the salons are rewarded with 40% commission on every product sold, paid every seven days, which is wow. awesome. So there's not some 30-day lag. It's every seven-day direct deposit. Um, and so to be a part of that conversation as it was emerging was really cool because what did I know? I'd never worked for a brand before, but I knew, you know, just from seeing the social media world and influencers and how, you know, affiliate marketing in the makeup world and really thinking about how that's worked, I knew that I could contribute to this conversation. So to be able to have the opportunity to do that was huge. So we landed on this awesome 40% every seven days. Um, and then we wanted to take it a step further. So I collaborate very closely with um, my colleague, Jessica, and we started the r Co Love Instagram page that's exclusive to our owners and stylists. And I write captions that are ready for them to copy and paste into their own posts. I give them posts that they can share. And it's just designed to take the guesswork out of affiliate marketing. So we're launching our holiday kits right now. We're in the month of October as we speak, but Christmas is going to be here before you know it. So I have products all over my floor right now that I'm going to take pictures of and say, like, post this on your pages, guys. Link in your bio. Here's the caption for you. Just to show them the power of social media and talking about your expertise and how to take it beyond product shots. So, like, how do you take what you're already doing, which is, like, awesome, beautiful finishes, but telling your followers the products you use to get the look? having them click on the link in your bio so that you're rewarded for your expertise. So um, that really launched in April and ever since just been amazing. And we found different ways to make it exciting. So if we're launching a product, we'll say, okay, our our Info Love Affiliate Network, you guys get first dibs. Here's the pictures, here's the captions, you post about it, here's a sample. Here's a bonus 10% commission for every product sold throughout this week. Like, how do we incentivize you guys? Because the reality is nothing is predictable when it comes to this environment economically, whether, you know, whether it's going to be lockdowns, like I'm getting notices every day from my kids' schools about openings, closures, hybrid, in-person, on Zoom, like you just can't predict what's going to happen next. And so we want to give our owners a predictable revenue stream that's beyond just the client in your chair. And so this has been it and it's been awesome. Yeah, for, I think the first time we heard about the affiliate, we have, we, we have a coworker, uh, Greg Johnson. He's actually a, uh, um, uh, an artist for R and co. Uh, and, and he's, he was talking about how they switched over to the affiliate program during COVID and that's what comes like affiliate program. And then as we learn more and more and more, we, we, you know, we found out what uh, that meant, but he, uh, yeah, from the very get, get go, he, he, he not only believes in Arnco, but he, he said Arnco really helped saved him through the shutdown because he was able to sell all these products to his clients. Yeah. I mean, that was genius. I, I, well, next follow-up question for you, Allison, is this something that, that, 
we won't talk about the industry, but is this something that R&Co will keep in place or is it something that's going to go away after a year or, or what's the long-term viability of it? So we put an asterisk every time we talk about the 40% to give us the opportunity to reevaluate as things kind of evolve, where we say 40% commission asterisk 20% is the norm. We haven't changed anything. In fact, the only change we've made is going up. So when California had extended shutdowns, we offered California salons 50% commission. And so I haven't seen that number dip below 40 and I also think, you know, as a team, we talk about what that means and do you want to dip or should we keep it at 40? We're also right on the heels of a major launch at R&Co. And so we're talking a lot about how do we bring that line, which is called R&Co Blue, um, and really fold it into our affiliate program and our affiliate efforts. And I'm so pumped to talk about R&Co Blue, but I haven't seen that change. So I think we're at 40% now. Um, we do product exclusives. We might reevaluate the, the commission in the future, but that's still not on the table right now. Got it. That's yeah. awesome. So, so you're, you're saying even on the other side of COVID, the affiliate program, the percentage might change, but the affiliate program is going to stay? It's been so successful. I can't imagine it changing. And I'm in so many meetings, but this is so important. So, we have, um, you know, weekly emails that go out. Our brand managers are super hands-on with giving, like, best practices to the salons. We have our private R&Co Love Instagram page. But then I also, which is pretty cool to have the opportunity to do it, is I write a monthly guide for our salon owners. So it's a magazine, which hey. totally merges my past life with this <laughs> life. And I'm interviewing salon owners like Michelle Pritchard asking about her successes in, aff in affiliate marketing. We get to like talk about our new launches and give them pre-written captions and screenshot friendly images for them to post about. And so I write this monthly guide and that's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I don't see this going away. I really don't see this going away. In fact, I think all the distribution is, is changing so much. You know, we saw this huge hesitancy when renters and independent stylists became a big thing and how we went from commission-based salon to more independent thinking and you know for years there was this resistance and now it's more embraced and I think the same thing with the way products are distributed we're, we're starting to see a little bit more of a shift in the mindset especially as brick and mortar see ups and downs with closures I think it's time to kind of shift and, and reevaluate. A little pivot action there. So uh, just, just and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, is R&Co directly to salons or does it go through a distributor chain? So we're direct except for the East Coast. The East Coast we work through, uh, we have two different distributors out on the East Coast, but for the most part, we're direct. That's awesome. And I think, uh, well, we had Michael Gordon on a couple of weeks ago, and I think he was the first one with Bumble and Bumble to go directly to uh, directly to the salon. So it's kind of it's kind of neat to watch like like this whole evolution of it all you yeah. know, together. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, learning about this, you know, I told you I've been collaborating with Modern Salon recently. R&Co has a takeover issue of Modern Salon where cover to cover, it's all about R&Co and everything about this world of R&Co, but it's not like a big commercial. It's really about the hairdresser's interest. And it's, I can't wait for you guys to read it. It should be mailing the week, the first week of November, but it has been my passion project for like a month. I'm still out of breath with how long okay. this project has taken. But learning about, you know, the founding of Bumble and Bumble as a salon and like the first employee was Ted Singer and he was like 15 years old and he and Michael Gordon lived in the same community. 
And Kev Finger is the CEO of Luxury Brand Partners. And thinking about how Bumble and Bumble was founded to then how Orbe was founded and Luxury Brand Partners and Arnco and V76 and IGK and like Kev Finger is just this like running theme throughout all of it. And so that was a big inspiration for me when I was playing around with this idea of where I wanted to work next and seeing the evolution of beauty and how it is so interconnected. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's awesome. That's pretty cool because um, uh, it, we didn't know this at the time, but but when we when we talked to Michael uh, Gordon, um, he actually grew up in the same exact neighborhood as Vidal Sassoon, so they kind of grew up like two blocks away from each other, and they and their and their life path is so parallel. It was just it was blowing me away. Not that they, I mean, they're you know Michael's a lot younger than Vidal was, but but it's just it just kind of blows me away. And then he did the movie, and and I cannot if you're a hairdresser, you have to go. I think it's on Amazon Prime now. You have to watch the Vidal Sassoon movie. It's just it's just. I- I know. And so I just had this interview with Howard McLaren and he's the co-founder of R&Co and he helped, you know, with, with, I saw this event at American Beauty Show where Howard was interviewing uh, Vidal Sassoon and um, it's amazing. The hairdressing royalty and how it's all so connected and like so crazy. social, so, socials allowing us to do that too in a different way. You know, like I feel so hyper connected to people in different states Um but man, to have the opportunity to connect with the best of the best is pretty cool. That's, I mean, that, that you're speaking our language because that's exactly what, um, you know, we actually, I mean, with Tony and I being older hairdressers, we feel almost a responsibility to kind of create that conduit between like old, old the history of our industry, right? Like, like the people that we can, re- like, could you imagine if we talked to Vidal Sassoon, that'd be crazy. I mean, we never can, but we can talk to Michael Gordon, right? And we can talk about people that have had relationships. Trevor Sorby's, the, yeah. you know, the ones that, yeah, learned or studied under him. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. And I feel like that's just so important is like this idea of connecting that veteran seasoned stylist with that next gen influencer and being, you know, on the other end of it as a beauty editor and looking at like the press releases and the Beth Minardi's and the Nichols French and like seeing these names. And it's so important that we preserve those voices and give them that opportunity that even if you don't have a massive social media following, you have the opportunity to showcase your influence and showcase your, the hair hero that you are and like give them the opportunity to have a voice. It's not just about social media. Like social media is so important. It's so important, but it's not everything. Like, yes, that's my lane right now. I'm all about social. I've always been about social, but honoring where it came from, honoring the past and giving them that moment. How do we fuse the two? How do you take the Garen, the Howard McLaren, you know, like how do you take what those incredible pillars of our industry and merge them with the Ashley Stryker with the Shelly, the Justine Marchand, the, you know, all these incredible people and make it happen. And, you know, I'm so fortunate that I've been able to run with a group of people in the modern salon circle to now be over here at R&Co and like, how do I fuse these two together? And um, it's really interesting. It's interesting. It's, It's happening as we speak. I don't have a full answer, but I know that social media, podcasting, magazines that all play such an integral role in the evolution of our industry and we have to shift we have to shift if we're going to work we can't be so operating in you know different silos we have to find a way to connect and i think social and podcasting and opportunities like this is such a huge part of it 100 percent 
hundred percent. It's funny because as you're, you know, as you're talking, I'm like, how, how do you connect the old and the new? You know what I mean? And uh, we should uh, like have like the new do uh, evolution of of hair, right? And credit the uh, we'll kind of watch how it all how it all forms out, like yeah, the like, influence of it all. Yeah, like from Sassoon's, like you know, because each decade or each has a unique look right yeah. and who found it or who you know what i mean like i don't know but yeah i get you 100 percent. I, I see it that's all awesome. i just don't know how to how to articulate it yeah because it's still like kind of all in the in the waters right? <laughs> in the in the in the muddy stage yeah that's awesome allison dude thank you so much how um if people want to get in touch with you or 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 you know see what you're up to how do, how do they find you or follow you or yada yadas so I'm at Alison Alhamid on Instagram, and I manage the R&Co, R&Co Love, and R&Co Blue communities on social. Um, if you DM any of those, you'll either get me or Jamie, and Jamie used to be an editor over at Modern Blonde, too, so she'll make sure your your message gets into the right hands. And, um, you know, we talked earlier about an hour ago about the value of private connection and how important that is. So I really encourage you to make those connections and please get in my inbox. If you want to know more about anything that we talked about today, I am an open book. If you want me to look at the way you're posting something and give you some honest feedback about how to take it to the next level or make sure you're getting that attention, please feel free to direct message me at Alex Malhamid. I'm, I'm more than happy to give you some time and, and talk through it together. That's, and that, that's definitely uh worth uh taking the time to bettering yourself and bettering the industry love it love it allison thank you so much thanks for hanging out with us thanks for thanks for these moments away from your kids i know how important those are to you now and thank you very very much for joining us on your day off hey hey so there it is hey this is a message that um we've been trying to bring i don't know for the last couple of months actually since we started the podcast hey so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful please 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 leave us a review a five-star review on itunes um leave us a rating and a review but if you don't like it forget about it <laughs> Yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>